Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. Today is Friday, July 3rd, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 164th episode of LOB. Today, I am bringing you an episode in the later afternoon slash evening for the first time, with today being a, a day off for a lot of people. So I wanted to make sure you all got to enjoy your day. And not going to lie, I also wanted to do that myself a little bit. But I also had to be sure to get out uh, the third episode of Lockdown Blackhawks for the week. So here it is. As always, be sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode of Lockdown Blackhawks as soon as it comes out each day. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. By the way, today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Make sure to check it out and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. Okay, so to kick off today's episode, I want to talk about the latest news surrounding the NHL's potential return to play plan, with a lot of updates coming in the last 48 hours or so. So right after Wednesday's episode dropped, we got word from TSN's Bob McKenzie that the NHL has finally come to a final decision regarding their two hub cities, with Edmonton and Toronto officially winning the battle over Chicago and Las Vegas. This shouldn't really come as much of a surprise, as the United States is not in great condition right now, especially in the western and southern regions of the country, which is why Las Vegas went from a lock to out of contention in the matter of a week or so. Chicago is one of the better options in America right now, with cases steadily declining in the state of Illinois. But as a whole, Canada is just much safer than the U.S., so I completely understand the league's decision here. I saw a tweet today, actually, uh, from a news director in Toronto that Canada that said uh, Canada as a whole has recorded a total of 104,772 COVID-19 cases since the beginning of January, and the United States, on the other hand, has recorded over 100,000 cases of COVID-19 in just the last two days alone. So, yes, <laughs> this move makes complete sense from the league. Toronto may not be the safest option, but... Any city in Canada has a fair argument over the U.S. right now because there are huge concerns surrounding this second spike of the coronavirus. So, we finally have our decision on the hub cities if this 2014 postseason does play out. So, now we don't have to talk about it every episode on the podcast, which I'm sure some of you out there are thrilled about. So, there you have it. The Western Conference hub city will officially be Edmonton, while Toronto will serve as the host of the Eastern Conference teams. Now, Originally, I thought that the league was going to put the Western teams in Toronto and the Eastern teams in Edmonton, but I guess the league isn't worried about giving the Oilers or the Leafs a home ice advantage, as they each will be staying in their home cities for at least the opening rounds of the postseason. Now, if I were a higher up in the Blackhawks front office, I would be really upset with the league's ruling on this year, as the Hawks could make a fair argument about the Oilers having an unfair advantage for their best-of-five playing series. It's also worth noting that the league announced that Edmonton will also serve as host for both the Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Final, so if they do continue to advance throughout this postseason, they will be playing and staying for all four rounds in their home hometown, which, I don't know, to me, it would just make more sense for the two sides to switch conferences so that, at worst-case scenario, Edmonton only plays the final two rounds in their home building instead of four, but I don't know, maybe the league will make a change in the next couple of weeks here, 
But at the moment, that's bad news for the Blackhawks because it sure looks like they'll be playing their best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers in Rogers' place in around a month or so. To continue talking about some updates from the league regarding the potential playoffs, we finally got some dates for when all of this is set to take place, courtesy of Bob McKenzie per usual. So, McKenzie wanted to be clear that all these dates are tentative and highly subject to change at the moment, but currently the league is looking at training camps opening on July 13th, moving it back three days from their original uh, date of July 10th, with teams then traveling to their respected hub cities on the 26th of July. As for the postseason, that is set to begin on August 1st, with all of that with the Stanley Cup final ending sometime in early October. So it looks like we'll have uh, a postseason for around three, three and a half months or so. As for uh, Phase 2 of the NHL's draft lottery, that is set to take place immediately following the Best of Five playing series, so we can expect that around August 10th to August 12th. That's when we'll know who has officially won the Alexi Lafreniere sweepstakes. We also got the news regarding free agency, which was supposed to take place two days ago, but will now occur on November 1st, 2020, so NHL contracts will now expire four months after they originally were supposed to. Now, of course, don't forget that these dates are not set in stone, as unfortunately, we are continuing to receive bad news regarding the potential return of professional sports in North America. But still, it's nice to have dates for when everything is supposed to come back, so that if we do see the number of positive cases from NHL players and staff members remaining low in the next week and a half or so, then training camps could be opening up here pretty soon. Alright, I think that just about covers all the information regarding the NHL's return to play plan. Now let's move on to our next segment of the day, where we'll talk about Calvin DeHaan's return to Blackhawks practice, and also some updates pertaining to possible compliance buyouts with the NHL's projected flat cap for each of the next three seasons. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. Visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen, we've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you'll ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey, that's capital T-A-L-K-I-N, capital H-A-W-K-E-Y, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on Twitter to get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. Okay, so we just finished talking about some updates surrounding the NHL's hub cities and the potential 2014 postseason. Now let's talk about some good news from Blackhawks' voluntary practice on Wednesday, which was a Calvin DeHaan sighting at Fifth Third Arena for the first time in what seems like forever. 
Of course, DeHaan was originally supposed to miss the remainder of the 2019-20 season after undergoing another shoulder surgery back in December, but because of this break due to COVID-19, he's actually back on track to suit up for the Blackhawks in these playoffs. This would be a huge boost on the back end for the Hawks, as DeHaan is without a doubt the top shutdown defenseman on the team, and he'll help eat up minutes that would have been put on younger players had he not been back. Not to mention, the Hawks are slated to take on Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the qualifying round, so having DeHaan back to help stop those guys from lighting up the score sheet is a huge bonus. Without him, I honestly am not sure they'd be able to get the, do- the job done. I mean... The Hawks' top pairing is supposed to be Duncan Keith and rookie Adam Boquist. So, without DeHaan, yeah, I'm not sure I like our chances against McDavid and Dreisaitl. I expect the Blackhawks to place DeHaan on the second pairing along with fellow shutdown blue liner Connor Murphy, who actually will be making his playoff debut versus Edmonton if all this does happen. Those two guys both can play 20 or so minutes per game together, while mostly in defensive situations, which gives the Hawks the ability to throw more offensive options like Boquist and Keith out there in the offensive zone more often. I just think that DeHaan's return really allows the Hawks to play to their strengths more, so I'm really excited about his potential return to the lineup. Taking a look back at DeHaan's 29-game 2019-20 regular season, and he was actually super efficient for the Blackhawks in his limited games. He finished with one of the better plus-minuses on a poor defensive team at plus-10, and while plus-minus is not a stat that truthfully reflects how a player is playing, I still find it impressive that a guy like DeHaan, who plays in mostly defensive situations, was able to put up a number that high on the Blackhawks. DeHaan also racked up 73 shot blocks and 93 hits in his 29 games, so about 2.5 blocks per game and over 3 hits per game, and that's exactly what the Blackhawks were missing in the second half of the season. Someone that could be physical in front of the net and in the boards. Someone that will step in front of every shot and play huge minutes on the penalty kill. So that's exactly what the Blackhawks will be getting if they do get Calvin DeHaan back for these po- for these uh, for this potential postseason. Tongue twister there. One final statistic that stood out to me was that DeHaan was only on the ice for 11 goals against at even strength in his 29 games played, which is almost one goal allowed in every three games he played in. And as I said a minute ago, that's pretty impressive stuff from a guy who sees a lot of his time in his own zone. Not to mention while averaging roughly 20 minutes or so per game for one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Not bad. So, I think we can all agree that having Calvin DeHaan back for the best of five series makes a huge difference in the Blackhawks' chances for an upset of the five-seeded Oilers in their own building. So, finally, the Blackhawks received some good news involving an injury, and hopefully we continue to see DeHaan practicing with the team at Fifth Third Arena without any setbacks to that shoulder. Okay, so before we move on to our daily regular season recap segment, I need to mention some other news that McKenzie dropped on Wednesday that involves the Blackhawks which is that compliance buyouts sadly are not expected to be part of the new CBA agreement. McKenzie added that while these buyouts certainly would have made GM's lives easier, they actually wouldn't help owners or players navigate their troubled economies. So, if you're still not sure what I'm talking about, basically, the Blackhawks care because now they are officially stuck with Brent Seabrook's contract, unless a buyout occurs, which it very likely won't until the deal is set to expire at the end of the 2023-2024 season. When I tweeted that out the other day, many people got upset with me that I put it in that way, saying that the Blackhawks are stuck with Brent Seabrook. But to put it frankly, that's what they are. I think a lot of people out there assume that I'm a Brent Seabrook hater, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Anyone in their right mind would have signed that deal had it been handed in front of them. 
But the Hawks are still going to be stuck with him for the next four years after this one. That's, that's just a fact. And that could be a huge problem for the Hawks down the line, especially because of his full, full no-movement clause, on top of the fact that he likely will be taking up a lineup spot for a couple years to come. We've already seen this be an issue a bit the last, hand, or the last couple of years here on whether or not the team should scratch Seabrook, but that just doesn't seem like an option at the moment. It just feels like everyone around the organization has too much respect for him, and honestly, that could be detrimental to the team's future, as much as I don't want to say it. The Hawks need to be able to get their young guys in the lineup every night, but Seabs only adds to the current logjam the Hawks have on their back end. It's also tough to see a guy like Seabrook put up only four points in his 32 games this season, and after double hip surgery and shoulder surgery this offseason, there are obvious reasons to be concerned about whether or not number seven will be able to return to the NHL speed ever again. Alright, so now I think that will take us to today's regular season recap, where I give a brief recap of one of the Blackhawks players' 2019-20 regular seasons, just as a bit of a refresher on how they did this year before the potential best-of-five playing series against the Edmonton Oilers. Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions regarding the show that you want answered on Mailbag Monday. Thank you again for tuning in to Friday, July 3rd's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. We've already talked about the latest news regarding the NHL's return to play plan and Calvin DeHaan being spotted at Blackhawks voluntary practice. Now it's time for our regular season recap segment, with today's feature being three-time Stanley Cup champion, 2016 Art Ross and Hart Trophy winner, and former Conn Smythe Trophy winner as playoff MVP, just to name a few, good old number 88, Patrick Kane. The Blackhawks superstar was coming off of a career year in 2018-19, with career highs in assists, points, even strength assists, shots on goal, and time on ice per game, which is incredible considering it was the first season of his 30s. By the way, still crazy to me that Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane are both over 30 now. That's, that's still just insane to me. It hasn't fully resonated. But back to Kaner. He continued to prove that age is just a number in 2019-20 as he picked up right where he left off from the year prior and was actually on pace for his third career 100-point campaign before the NHL was forced to cancel the remainder of the regular season due to the COVID-19 outbreak. In total, Kane finished with 33 goals and 51 assists for 84 points while playing in all 70 games, leading the Blackhawks in every category while finishing top 10 in the league in both points and assists. The only statistic of Kane's that was really down this season was his time on ice, which honestly could be for the better at this point of his career. Kane averaged over 22 minutes per game last season, and his 21-20 this year is a better step in the right direction as he begins to climb up that age ladder. Now, I'm not saying that Kane can't handle that ice time right now. He clearly can, but I think getting him closer and closer to that 20-minute mark as the years go on will only help keep him around longer. And to me, even 21-20 is still a little high for him at this point, as I would feel a little bit better if he was getting closer to that 20-and-a-half, 20-minute-per-game point. The only problem is the Blackhawks don't exactly have the best forward depth at the moment, so in order for the team to succeed, Kaner kind of needs to play those minutes, so it's a, it's a tough medium to find. 
Besides the ice time, though, the only negative that I took away from Kane's game this season was his 40 penalty minutes, which were his most in a season since he was 23, and we didn't even play the final 12 contests. As I just mentioned, the Hawks kind of need Kane on the ice to have a chance to win, so taking unnecessary penalties isn't exactly what we need him to be doing right now. It is also worth noting that out of the 70 games that he played in, Kane was held off the score sheet only 16 times. In comparison, Kaner had 20 games this season with two points or more, so he actually had more games with multi-points than games with zero points, which is pretty remarkable. I also want to mention that the Blackhawks went 3-10-3 in those 16 games where Kane didn't tally a point. So basically, when he's not going, neither are the Blackhawks, which has kind of been their theme ever since the 2015 Stanley Cup, it feels like. Kane's best performance of the season was probably his hat trick against the division rival Minnesota Wild, as Kane always seems to find a way to dominate them, which I love. But he also had a pair of four-point contests this season as well, coming just 12 days apart, actually, uh, against the Winnipeg Jets and Calgary Flames. So two Canadian teams there within 12, uh, within 12 days, kind of uh, a weird connection. But all in all, 2019-20 was just another year for Showtime as he continued to dominate his opponents in style yet again. Kane never really saw consistent line mates this season, which almost makes his campaign that much more impressive. But if I were Jeremy Colleton, I would load up the big guns and put Kane on the Blackhawks' second line, along with Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom, in an attempt to match the high-powered Edmonton Oilers offense, led by McDavid and Dreisaitl in the potential best-of-five play-in series in the 2014 postseason. Alright, so I think that is going to wrap up Patrick Kane's regular season recap, and also Friday, July 3rd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it's out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about a potential return to hockey in the next couple of weeks. As always following a Friday, the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday, so don't forget to hit me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at Talkin Hockey for any questions at all regarding anything related to the LOB podcast. Or, you can always email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. I really enjoy this segment, guys, so please, if you have anything at all that you want to ask, be sure to do so. All right, so thank you again for listening to Friday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Until next time, please enjoy your 4th of July weekend responsibly.